Welcome to Captivated Minds. I'm Jake. I'm Stan. This is our Movie Mayhem series for October. We are doing a movie every day in the October. Yay, every day. And today is The Shining. Now, The Shining. The Shining. Not the TV movie. Not the TV movie. Which is okay. This is Jack Nicholson. Stanley Kubrick, The Shining. Yes, the Shining. We are going to do a movie every day for the month of October. And I have a little quick story about this movie. So, this movie was actually supposed to be made at the Mount Washington Hotel, not too far from here, in the late to early, no, no, early, late 70s, early 80s. But the owners of the time didn't want the movie to be made there because they thought it would add too much bad press. Really? Yes. But if you watch the movie, there are various aspects of the Mount Washington Hotel in this movie. Like, for instance, when the uh, hotel is only open for the season, in the 80s, the Mount Washington Hotel was only open in the spring and summer, not the winter. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So there are these little aspects. Like, if you look at the gold ballroom, it kind of looks like the main ballroom at the hotel. Like, these, all these little aspects of it that were put into the Stanley Hotel where it was actually filmed. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. So that's they, they that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. It's too bad they actually didn't film it there. That would have been neat. I would have loved it. I mean, I wonder if it had to do with the fact that they technically have a haunted room. And, you know, you just don't want to add to it type of thing. You know what I mean? Where, like, everyone knows the room's haunted, but then when you make a movie at a place, now everyone's going to think the whole place is haunted. But just imagine the press nowadays, though. People would have oh flocked God. in People the droves. droves. Oh, my God. Even now, I, we want to go to the Stanley Hotel because, at some point. Right, because this movie, technically, the Stanley Hotel is... Where it's filmed. Where it's filmed. Yeah. So, yeah. so here's the opening scene. What makes this movie's opening scene so iconic would be the use of wide images and seeing the landscape as the, a car makes wind, wide turns. The shots in the opening scene almost seem like the audience is uneasy already and we're only a couple of minutes in the film we haven't heard or talked to anyone or seen anyone speak in the movie we see brief seconds of a yellow car driving up a windy road the car is also the only car on the road and that makes us kind of feel off-putting a little bit about what's going on we see the title cre- credit scene title credits fly by the screen in blue lettering the camera at this point moves past the car on the road we begin to see other cars on the road and we begin to see what you know what's going on it's uh it's, you just get this like eerie like what is going on type of feel y- you're right when it's just them on the road oh no this is just the opening scene well, so it's just jack yeah yeah i know yeah. but you, it's when just it's just car. him on the road yeah. right you're like where is he going mm-hmm. i mean i get that when um headed home from work or something i'm the only one on the road and it's like a windy road what, what if this is the day where the whole world has ended i'm the only one around <laughs> perhaps a warning an unconscious warning something that may be up ahead the second car we are able to notice coming down the hill in the opposite direction the third car we see has a boat on top of it and it passes the yellow car there is a sudden jump cut from the same road just further ahead in a blink and you miss it kind of a moment. We get a clear visual of the hotel from the partial side angle. From this type of shot, we can see this, the hotel and the small area around it. That's just the opening scene. Now, the other thing I, I have is you would, you would think 
they made this the hotel like out there, right? You would think it wouldn't get that much business being so like out there. I understand it's supposed to be like a skiing or no, no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's spring only and summer. Spring and summer. Yeah, that's right. They but, close for the fall. That's they, right. Yeah, but like it's a bit of a haul. It's a get, haul to, to get, get there. there. Yeah. Here's our disclaimer. All the information we use is directly from IMDb, and it's a great resource that we help uh, use for a lot of the information. Yeah, Jake even has an IMDb. Yeah. So here are some fun facts. Because Danny Lloyd, uh, young Danny in the film, was so young, and since this was his first acting job, Stanley Kubrick was highly protective of the child. During shooting of the movie, Lloyd was under the impression that the film he was making was a drama, not a horror movie. <laughs> no, no shit. Really? So, yeah. okay. Yeah, he kept him away from all the scary stuff. I don't know if you... So, to me, that would mean he didn't... He's never seen it. No, he did. He's a, he is an adult now. What? No, I mean, as... So, like, people go to the premiere and stuff. I would say he wouldn't have gone no. to the premiere. No. It's just like um, in Deadpool 2... The the uh, Fire Fist or whatever. The kid. He was too young to actually go to the premiere. Yeah. And they wouldn't allow him to watch it. That's funny. Isn't that funny? But, yeah. Um, but could you imagine that? Hey, why can't I watch? Like, to me, afterwards, I'd be like, why can't I watch it? Yeah, I was in it. I was in it. Yeah. Because you're in a horror movie. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, when Wendy carries Danny away while uh, shouting at Jack in the Colorado Lounge, she's actually carrying a real life-size dummy. So Lloyd would not have to be in the scene. He only realized the truth several years later when he was shown a heavily edited version of the film. He did not see the uncut version until he was 17, 11 years after he had made it. Now, in that one scene, you can kind of see that it's a it's a it, dumb. The, it's a blink what, you miss kind of moment. Right, yeah. but whatever she's holding doesn't look, look like Danny. Right. Yeah. The idea for Danny Lloyd to move his finger when he was talking as Tony was his own. Nice. He did it spontaneously during his first audition. Wow. Yeah. And they kept it. And they kept it. Yep. No shit. Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall have expressed open resentment against the reception of the film, feeling that the critics and the audiences credited Stanley Kubrick solely for the success without considering the efforts of the actors or the crew or the strength of even uh, Stephen King's underlying material. Nicholson and Duvall had said that the film was one of the hardest of their careers. In fact, Nicholson considers Duvall's performance the most difficult role he's ever seen an actress take on, and I can agree with that 100%. Duvall has also considered her performance the hardest in her life, and it shows. Well, the the shit they put her through. A hundred takes, no matter what. Right. And... It was constantly being screamed at. It was con- like there was she always was berated, berated the fear. To me, the fear seems so real because if you think about it, Jack was always going after her, like in certain scenes. Right. And doing a hundred takes of Jack Nicholson acting crazy coming after you. Did you see the video of him pumping up? Oh, my God. It was he's so- like he's just like. Hit himself in the face, and he's like yeah. running into the wall, like, like whatever. Shaking yeah, his head, he, and he's swinging really, that axe around. And he's trying to get in, get, really get into it. Yeah, yeah. And he's it was right before he sends that axe right through the door. He's just getting all pumped up, and and but you see her in the same video, and she's almost like cowering in shaking. the corner, yeah, because she's scared to what is about to happen. Yeah. The throwing around of the tennis ball inside the Overlook Hotel was Jack's idea. 
The script originally sp- uh, s- said that Jack is not working. So he has an action. Constantly what actors try to do is make their action their own to give their individual voice, you know, something to do. Right. Angelica Houston lived with Jack Nicholson during the time of the shooting. She recalled that due to long hours on the set and Stanley Kubrick's trademark style of repetitive takes, which we've already discussed, Nicholson would often return from a day shooting, walk straight to bed, collapse onto it, and fall asleep. That poor bastard. Yeah. That poor bastard. But, okay, I understand where Kubrick was, what, what he's trying to do with his films. The more takes, yeah, it's a lot of work and stuff like that. But then you can sit there and you can get that perfect. That's right. Perfect one. That's right. Stanley Kubrick, known for his compulsiveness and numerous retakes, got the difficult shot of blood pouring from the elevators in only three takes. This would be unremarkable if it weren't for the fact that the shot took nine days to set up. Nine days. Nine days. He had to do it three times. Wow. So so nine days each time. That's right. Jesus Christ. Every time the door opens and the blood poured out, Kubrick would say it doesn't look like blood. In the end, they had to they took the shot apparently. It took them a year to get it right. Nice. A year for <laughs> one sh- one shot. Jesus. Yeah. This guy is very meticulous. A perfectionist. That's right. It's there's nothing wrong with that. There's I, nothing wrong with it. No. The movie came out great. I uh, yeah, we're going to keep getting into Stephen King famously was disappointed in the final film while admitting that Stephen uh, Stanley Kubrick's visuals were stunning and there's no disregard that he is absolutely right. He said that what the surface it was surface not substance. He often described the film as a fancy car without an engine. I disagree. I can see Jack going from normal to insane to fucking nuts. Yeah. You can see it. You it's can clear, see it. It's clearly there. The amount of times I've seen this movie, maybe the first few times you don't see it, but you can clearly see his arc yeah. of going fucking nuts. Yeah. it's it, To me, it's plain as day. Yeah. I mean, you, you really – you explained it well. I mean, it's beginning to end – you see the build-up, and you see the outcome. That's right. Right. Despite Stanley Kubrick's fierce demands on everyone, Jack Nicholson admitting having a good working relationship with him. It was with Shelley Duvall that he was a completely different director. He allegedly picked on her more than anyone else as seen in the documentaries Making the Shining and Stanley Kubrick A Life in Pictures. He would really lose his temper with her, even going so far to say that she was wasting the time of everyone on set. That's kind of mean. She later reflected that he was probably pushing her to her limits to get the best performance out of her, which makes sense. So I was just it's about a, it's a half and I was just about to ask that if that's if that's really what he was doing. Yeah. And and that she wouldn't trade the experience for anything, but it's not something she'd ever want to repeat. Oh, yeah. Would you would you want to? But yeah, I mean, that's what I kind of see um them him doing is all right i want this woman just to be broken down scared all the time so what am i gonna do i'm just gonna act like i hate her guts that i think she's a worthless actress so if you do that to her offset when she's on set she's gonna sit there and be frail and off-putting and just this 
what you want her to be. You couldn't get away with what he did to her on set nowadays. Nowadays, no. No, no way. No, no, no. No, no. So here are the actors. Uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, Shelley Duvall, Wendy Torrance, Danny Lloyd, Danny, Scatman Carruthers, uh, Halloran, uh, Barry Nelson, uh, Allman, Philip Stone, Grady, and Joe Turkle Lloyd. Duvall's greatest movie. Yeah. Popeye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Actually, that was a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't bad. I liked Robin Williams in it. Right. The budget was only $19 million. $19 million. That's not that much. Made, opening weekend, 600000 That sucks. Gross. $45 million. Any bad? Nope. So it made it. It made its money's worth. So I wonder if that's another th- another thing like we talked about. Wait, there's where, a delay. There's where a it bit was of delay. like, okay, some people heard about it and they went and saw it, and then it was like word of mouth, that's like, right. hey, you need to see this movie type of deal. Uh, uh, and then worldwide, forty-seven, forty-seven million. million. Yeah. So that's it. Did pretty good. Yeah. So where was it filmed? It was filmed the Timberland Lodge in Oregon. Uh, going to the Sun Glacier Road National Park, Montana. St. Mary Lake Great, uh, Glacier National Park, Montana. So that must be all those like wide the, shots. The opening like, shots, yeah. Right. yeah. Elf Street Studios, England. Glacier, Montana again. American Legion in Los Angeles. Kingston Apartment Homes in Colorado. Uh, more England, Stage 4. In uh, Elf Street Studios, Stage 7, Elf Street, Stage 8, Elf Street, Backlot, Elf Street, Stage 9, Elf Street, Backlot, MGM, British Studios, Stage 1, Elf Street. They had a lot of different... A lot of 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 UK. Yeah. It was all filmed in the UK. Stage 3, Stage 5, and it was... Yeah. All Elf Street Studios, so it was all in the UK. The... Filming dates were from May 1970 to April 1979. So the year it came out, 1980. And here are some movies from that year. You have Caddyshack. Oh, yes. Blues Brothers. Dressed to Kill. Cannibal Holocaust. Another good year of movies. Yeah. Another Another good year. It was a good year of movies. Dressed to Kill, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. So this director is Stanley Kubrick. And here are three of other movies that he's done. Full Metal Jacket. My favorite. Dr. Strangelove or How I you know, Dropped the Atomic Bomb and A Clockwork Orange. Wow. Or 2001. I like yeah, 2001. 2001. Too. Yeah. When was the first time you saw this? Uh, God, I think when I first saw it was it was on cable. And I don't, when I first saw it was only bits and pieces. It wasn't until – Probably middle school or high school, I finally watched it in its entirety. Like, we rented it and actually watched it. I think I was 13 or 14, and I had bought a fucking stack of DVDs that were all, like, the best horror horror movies you can buy or whatever. Yeah. And I started watching them, and that's when I watched it fully. Like, the unedited version, and that's, like, 13, right. like 13 or 14 is when you're, like, peak at that age where you want to find everything and anything you can watch. But, yeah, leading, leading up until that, like, I always caught – bits and pieces it was like it was on tv and of course they took a lot of things out if it's on tv it's very heavily edited right so i would watch like some some days i'd catch it in the middle some days i'd finally see the ending sometimes i'd see the beginning but i never watched it entirely until i finally rented it again probably the same age as you 13 14 yeah 
So here are awesome scenes. Um, you mean it? the whole movie? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You continue. Yeah. No, really. <laughs> I, I I broke down the whole movie. Scene number <laughs> God damn it. Scene number 14, Jax Torrance walks into the overlook and the camera falls right behind him, almost giving it a long take kind of feel. The scene is also intercut with the ordinary world scene. We see Wendy and Danny sitting having a meal. Ma, uh, Wendy is reading Catcher in the Rye and having a smoke while Danny is eating and watching cartoons. We can see a bit of reluctance in Danny's voice as he starts the conversation about the hotel. Danny also has some sort of friend named Tony that is even more reluctant than Danny. We cut back to the interview with Jack at the Overlook Hotel. We go into the close-ups, and this is the this hotel is only open seasonally, and Jack is already questioning. Jack already has questions that are slightly, you know, weird and observant. The winters can be fantastically cruel. The manager tells Jack outright that this place isn't very physically demanding, but it can be very isolating and mentally demanding. Mr. Ullman tells Jack that the previous caretaker, Mr. Grady, just went nuts, killed his whole family, killed his wife and two daughters. Cabin fever is briefly mentioned, and Jack just kind of accepts it. Yeah, it kind of like shrugs it off almost. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know what I like? That in movies from the 90s and older, everyone smoked. Yeah. You know what I mean? You smoking like, on a plane. It, it was, it's funny because when... Since we've been doing these movies and stuff, and a lot of the movies we pick are Old like ones. 90s and below, when you're starting to rewatch them, it's like almost every single actor has a cigarette in their hand. Now they have to do the fake ones. Right. Yeah. Now it has to be fake. But like I rewatched uh, Aliens, Al- the second Alien yeah. the, the other day. And when they're doing the business like meeting thing, yep. every single one of them has a smoke. Has a smoke. That's fucking funny. Scene number 13, there's a small scene where the uh, Wendy is talking uh, Wendy is talking to the doctor and it's filled to the brim with exposition. Basically what's going on is the scene is about uh, Wendy and talking about Danny and Jack, but she's kind of on eggshells about Jack and Danny a little bit. The subtext of the scene is really about the family and the family dynamic, not about Danny, but about her their life in general and every among everything that is being said we come to find out that uh, something about danny at some point it is clearly mentioned that danny dislocated his shoulder and that wendy is trying to brush it off as a one-time thing what is also going on in the scene would be the third layer of text the third layer of text is talking about danny as as a young child and his ability to shine very early on the shine at a young age at for young age uh, would be very difficult considering he was in class with other small kids. Jack in, had injured Danny, and from that moment, Jack hasn't uh, been, he's been sober for five months. So there's very different layers all going on in that one scene, and they'll all start to pay off later on. Right. And then that that's where, you know, that's why she, it, it almost seems like that's why she shrugged it off because it was. A one-time thing. Oh, well, now he's sober. It won't happen again. He's better now. He's better now. Everything's okay. Yeah. Scene number 12, closing day. Again, we see the yellow car driving up to the overlook, and this time the yellow car car is filled with the family. In this quick scene, we can see the nature of the uh, parents, and we're only in uh, 19 minutes in. 
Jack is not mean, but he's honest. While the mom character wants to be comforting and wholesome, you can see a difference between them in their actions and, and what they are saying, not just how they are saying it. She also brings up Danny, the Donner party, and the entire party being snowbound. Jack explains cannibalism to Danny, and he seems like he's overly enjoying talking about dark shit like this with his kid. They're also going through the hotel, and once Almond brings up various Indian tribes and their connection to the artwork within the, over, uh, within the Overlook. While this is going on at the same time, Danny is in the game room playing darts, and this becomes the second full time he notices the twins, but this time the twins just seem to be staring at him. What makes the scene creepy would be the fact that like, the girls just walk in, they don't say anything, and they just kind of walk out. What's truly what is scary is the ordinary elements of these scenes. Now, listen, listening to Jack talk to his kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's dark and twisted. But he but, doesn't seem crazy. It, he doesn't seem crazy. But the thing is, I would talk to my kids. That's like, right. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like, it's something I'm into. It's something that I would have knowledge of. So it's like. Oh, hey, Dad, what's cannibalism? <laughs> Let me tell you, kids. Why don't you pull up a chair? You grab a snack. Huh? You grab a snack, and I'll tell you all about it. During this scene, Almond is also giving the family a tour. They are showing the hedge maze. This is the first time we're seeing the hedge maze from this shot. It would appear to be behind the hotel, and that's why we're only seeing it now. Almond states that the hotel was built in 1907, but wasn't finished until 1909, and it is made on an Indian burial ground. That's the second or third time that Indians have been brought up in the film so far. The family is also shown the snowcat as they are given the tour. In the tour, they are shown the gold room. They are told that the Overlook has no booze, and once everyone leaves, all the booze is taken with them. They are also introduced to Dick, the head chef. Dick and Wendy and Danny are shown to the kitchen, and they are shown the pantries and all that. They are also told they can eat up to a year. And in this scene, for the first time, Dick Halloran calls Danny Doc. And right there, you're like, how does he know? That's right. <laughs> scene number 11. The scene where Dick and Danny are sharing ice cream is a very simple scene, but yet it holds a hell of a gut punch. Dick is telling Danny about his ability to shine, but Danny kind of rejects talking about it because of Tony. Dick just asks Danny what he knows about the Overlook, and we can clearly see the reluctance on his face clear as day. This is a smaller scene compared to some of the others, but what it does do is it services the character of Danny, and it fills in some of the missing bits of information. Some places are like people. Some shine, some don't. And in a single instant, Danny brings up Room 237. He had never heard about it or talked about it, before this moment, Dick tells Danny to stay out of room 237. And then when you tell a small boy to stay out of 237, what do you think he's going to do? Go into 237. Go into 237. Would you go in? If someone said, hey, don't go into yeah, this room. I'm going in. That's like someone telling me not to push this button. You're pushing it. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm licking it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Scene number 10. A month, a month later, we are now... We now see the Overlook Hotel in its glory, empty from the normal cars. We see the only yellow car parked out front. We see Wendy bringing room service-like meal through the hotel. We also cut to Danny 
on a three-wheel just riding, we can see Danny go from carpet to wood a couple of different places and times, and it slowly adds a creepy factor. We cut back to Wendy bringing breakfast for Jack. Her conversation with Jack is simple, but the scene flips, and now a jump take a jump cut takes place, and we're kind of reversed really quickly without even noticing what's going on. It's calm, and he he has he said he has some deja vu about coming. Uh, Jack says he has some deja vu about coming to the Overlook. We see Jack having a hard time riding as he is tossing a ball around. It's cut with Danny and Wendy going into the Overlook maze, and the music really goes into the full effect. We see Jack looking over the Overlook maze, and as it looks down, we see Danny and Wendy in the center of the Overlook maze. Would you Would you take that type of job? Yeah. I would. Yeah. I mean, in a heartbeat. As long, I mean, had, as, long as it had Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. It'd have to have Wi-Fi or... Internet. Internet of some sort. Not coin-based internet, because I would go crazy. Right. And it, it'd have to pay well. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, you're stuck there. For a year. For half a year. Half a year or whatever, in the snow. and You don't have oh, to leave. Hey, oh, hey, in case of emergencies, you have to use this uh, snow cat yeah. to get out because you can't use a yeah. regular car. No phones. No phones, right. Like, nope. you'll have... The only thing I, uh, I'll talk about later, how do they get cable? I mean, come yeah, on. come on. Scene number nine, Tuesday. We begin this scene again as we're looking at the hotel, but this time there is less light in the scene and the sun is setting behind the mountain. Three windows are lit. Each of the windows represents a person within the hotel. Wendy is making some dinner and watching a mini TV. And on the TV, the news anchors are predicting snow. We cut back to Danny on the three-wheel going through the hotel. This time, he's at a different part of the hotel. It's all carpet. He drives over the wood and carpet again. The sound from carpet to wood is just uneasy. Carpet to wood. Feeling the, it gives an uneasy feeling as the music begins to flutter in the background. Danny stops for a brief second and looks at a single room. From over his shoulder, shoulder we can clearly see the room 237 sign. Danny looks around, then slowly walks towards the room 237. The door is unlocked. We finally hear Jack typing away on a story. Wendy goes to Jack, and she tells him about the snow. Jack is giving her some attitude and looks aggressive about being in the, this writer mentality. Scene number eight. Thursday. Wednesday, Wendy and Danny are playing in the fresh powdered snow, having fun. We cut to Jack standing there, almost looking right into the camera, a little bit slightly off. He just stares into space with a menacing look on his face. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's creepy because he doesn't say anything. Right, it's creepy, and that's the entire just the entire scene is just that Instant, look. Yeah, yeah. Scene number seven, Saturday. We cut to the overlook, and at this point, it does seem like the uh, it seems like there's a lot of snow since the last scene. It would appear that they are now fully isolated in the hotel now. We cut to the wide shot of Jack typing all alone in this giant room. In the wide shot, we can see several Indian blankets, a large Indian tapestry on the wall, and a bear hide near the fire. Wendy is trying hard to figure out something, uh, either the CB or the radio. The communication she is having with is with the U.S. Forest Service, it is about uh, the telephone line being down. Now they slowly become more and more isolated from the outside world with their internal worlds, but also from the 
Yeah. We also see Danny driving the three-wheel as he makes a turn and sees the twins for the third time. This time they actually speak and communicate with him. We can briefly uh, we see brief horrible acts. The twins' bodies are cut up and in piles, and it's staring at Danny. We can see the overlook is now reaching out to Danny. Yeah, the scene goes like sideways so quick. Yeah. Like, they're there, and then they're on the ground. They, the, the way it's cut is it's so like, freaky. It's just almost it's fast blinking 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 you, you miss it's almost like uh, yeah. Danny himself blinking seeing yeah. it yeah and then just Going in terror to, yeah scene number six Monday this time we pull back from the TV and we see Danny and Wendy sitting down trying to watch something the only light the only light uh, come on Coming in is the sun setting in the back as now Wendy and Danny are half in the dark. Danny asks Wendy to go to his room to pick up a fire truck, but she tells him not to because Jack is sleeping and he just had gone to bed a little while ago. Wendy tells him not to make a sound. The music and the theme rarely crank it up a little bit as Danny walks into the apartment and Jack is just silently sitting there. Jack tells Danny to come there for a moment. This is an odd moment between J- Danny and Jack. It is also one of the most comic scenes in the movie. If there is one, there isn't a lot being said, but how it's being said, that's what we focus that's what we we the audience are focusing on. Jack tells him that he wants to stay at the Overlook forever. He has this um like at first you're you're like is he drunk? Has yeah. he been drinking? I know he's been sober, but he has that that like look, and he's kind of acting weird. He's not acting himself. So I think in this scene, scene number six, he he could shine. Right. Or he was trying. Maybe the drink was stopping the shine, and now it's coming back. Now and it's coming he's, back. He's like a conductor, like yeah. Danny is in Doctor Sleep. He's a conductor for the shine, and the Overlook is kind of feeding off of his energy. Yeah, I I can see that. Scene number five. The scene starts out with the snow cascading the overlook even more than before. We cut to Danny playing with his trucks in the carpet. Suddenly a ball comes to him dead center. What makes it creepy would be the score, but it's also the fact that he is all alone in this part of the hotel. He is clearly wearing an Apollo 11 sweater too. Room 237 is open, and it's brightly lit and comforting, unlike many of the other places within the hotel. We cut to Wendy with the boiler. She hears a loud man scream, but then, but again, there's no one around. We cut to Jack sleeping on his desk, and Jack is having a bad dream and wakes up. Jack admits he had a nightmare. He admits that he had a dream that he killed Wendy and Danny. We see Danny coming towards both of them with his sweater and neck all torn up. Danny can't speak, and he has his thumb in his mouth. Wendy looks over at Jack, thinking the obvious, but Jack didn't do anything this time. Jack begins to wander through the wander through the hotel in some sort of mood now. Jack walks to the gold ballroom and turns the light on and pops the seat at the bar. You, at this point, you you almost want to kind of like scream at the TV, "Hey, he didn't do it." No, but she just knows what happened the last time. That he got drunk and he hurt him. So right. when she, when he sits there and goes, oh, I had this w- nightmare that I, like, hurt or killed both of you. 
And all of a sudden, here comes Danny, and he's all just hurt. Her, him sucking on his thumb is a an instant like a regression, right? Instant thing to tell you that someone just really hurt him. Yeah, the bar is dead dry, and in a split second, he speaks to Lloyd, the bartender. Suddenly, we see a bartender at the bar. And the entire bar is fully stocked to the brim. Jack has lost it fully, and by accepting the drink, he, know what he, he knows what he has to do. The bartender fills the glass twice as he knocks them both back. Jack tells Lloyd that he's never touched Danny. Jack admits that he did hurt Danny, but now that we know the truth of the moment, he did accidentally hurt him. He got drunk, and he pulled his arm a little too hard. Wendy tells Jack that there is a crazy woman in the hotel, and she asks Jack if he can find out who she is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, you just accused me of hurting, hurting our son, and now you're saying there's a crazy cra- and you want me to take care of it? Yeah, it's uh, a little much. It's a little much. Scene number four, we cut back. Uh, we cut to Dick Halloran sitting all alone watching the news. In a split second, the calm scene turns, and Dick is able to see the overlook and things taking place. He's able to see Danny and the hotel. The scene is cut with Jack entering room 237. The colors of this room do not match the rest of the hotel. We see a naked woman in a bathtub. She approaches Jack. The pace of the scene is slow, but how we see Jack react is the crazy part. In a way, the scene represents the seduction of Jack from the hotel. The scene turns and Jack is being played for a fool. Jack walks up room 237 and walks away. Dick Halloran becomes worried and calls the overlook, but the phone lines are down at this point. Jack lies to Wendy about not seeing anything in the hotel. Danny is clearly seeing Jack for what he really is now. That's some like he's taking his father and making him a monster. Yeah. That's pretty hotel, much what is yeah. That's what the hotel is doing. His, it's just amplifying his, da- his dad's bad. no longer his dad. His dad's now this creep, yeah. this monster, this yeah. evil being. Yeah. Scene number three. <clears throat> <coughs> Jack walks back to the gold room, and this time music is playing. The, this section of the hotel now looks like it's filled to the brim with a party going on. Dick Halloran also calls the Forest Service to have them check in on the Overlook. Jack approaches the gold room for the second time, finally walking in and seeing a full party taking place. Jack comes back to Lloyd, the bartender, for the second time. This time, his money is no good. He has a moment of reason and then grips the drink. In a second, someone spills something all over oil over him and then the uh, the person the person cleans it up the two of them the person and jack walk to the uh, restroom to clean off uh what had spilled uh, spilled on jack this guy is grady and he is the man who killed his family and he was the last caretaker of the overlook this showcases that the hotel is clearly messing with jack it also explains that the woman in the bathtub was the wife of grady and the twin girls are his daughters and everything is slowly starting to make sense. Grady does not remember anything at all. Grady tells Jack that Danny can shine, but he doesn't say shine. He says he has a, a particular gift. Grady tells him that they should be taken care of without saying it directly. 
Grady admits that he did kill his family. It also shows that no one leaves the hotel. That's right. That That's what I, I took from it. Yep. Scene number two, Re- Wendy tries to rationalize everything going on, and she is slowly trying to figure out a way out of the overlook. Her pacing back and forth showcases that she's anxious for her and her Danny's life. She has a half-assed plan, but is stopping, but is stopped by hearing Danny say red rum. Danny isn't here, and that's what's really creepy. Wendy tries to snap him out of this sort of trance, but the shine has fully taken over. Jack hears the Forest Service reach out. Jack pulls apart the radio and just says, fuck it, it's done. What's funny, now I'm saying this is funny. Yeah. Red rum became such a thing because of this movie. You, there, It was quoted so many times everywhere. Pop culture Gr- reference now. Growing, growing up. Before I even saw this movie, yeah. Red Rum. Red Rum. Red Rum. Red Rum. And that was a thing. It was a thing. It wasn't until I saw the movie I was like, oh, oh that's where it's from. That's where it came from. Yeah. That one little snippet. Yeah. That's what everyone's going crazy for. Yeah. I think it's because of the way Danny said it. That's right. So that could be it. Here's the top scene 8 a.m. We see a flight coming from Florida to Colorado as Dick Halloran is on a direct flight to the Overlook Hotel. We arrive in Denver at 8.20 a.m. We can also see Jack as typewriter clearly typing away page after page after page. Dick is all in a favor and gets a snowcat re- has a snowcat ready. We see Dick pass a car crash, and in the car crash is a red beetle, the same kind of beetle, beetle that the family drove when they're making it to the Overlook. This time, it is red, reflecting the mood and the feeling currently taking place at the Overlook, and it's also a spill of blood, too. Wendy is clearly chain-smoking and trying to comfort Danny. Wendy tells Danny that she's going to talk to Jack for a brief moment. Wendy looks for Jack, and she finds his typewriter, and she sees his finished novel. It is simple, and just a few lines of page, but it's the same lines that fill page after page after page. It does make Jack seem crazy, but... What makes him really seem crazy is the hundreds and hundreds of pages. He's been crazy this entire time. The music is cranked right up a little bit, the theme music as well, as Jack approaches her from behind. The music turns as this isn't Jack anymore. Danny is shining, and he can clearly see what's going on. The the hotel has fully consumed Jack, just like Jack consumed the Jack Daniels. The scene is building up since the beginning of the film. Jack is fully gone off the deep end, and he has become one of the, has become one of the best scenes because he's moving up the stairs, going closer and closer to Wendy. Wendy try takes a bat to him and just knocks him out. One of the most famous lines from the film is, "I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in." It's so good. It's good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And the terror on her face. Yeah. And then it's like when you find out what they did to her on it's like... She was really scared. She was really scared. You know who she was. Out of all these scenes, which one stood out the most for you? Oh, I, I definitely had to have been like he's just cruising. Uh, Danny's just cruising around on his little trike. And in a blink of an eye, there's the twins. And then there they are just like cut up on the floor. And just the, the shocked look in his face of what am I just seeing? 
I like when uh, Dick Howard's explaining the shine to Danny. That that is we also... we don't know what's what the shine is just right. yet, and so we as an audience are kind of figuring it out too with Danny. But now that we know, we can see, hey, maybe Wendy has the shine, or maybe Jack has the. Shine. Where did Danny get and it it's, from? It's nice throughout the movie you can see Danny shine getting more and more uh, stronger. Stronger. Like, That's right. It's it's building up, which is really neat. Here are some questions we had while watching it. Uh, why is there only a single car on the road midday? The yellow car. That, yeah, that was a weird one. I mean, it's, yeah. How long of a drive is it? It seems like, like a it's, long drive. Again, it's like how do these? How does this place get money? Yeah. Because it's just a three-hour drive. I don't know if I want to stay in a hotel that takes me a day to get to, <laughs> and there's nothing around it. That's right. Who picks out a catcher on the rye to read on a whim? Yeah, I know. That's a weird one. How does Tony know about the phone call? Unless Tony is the shine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So now is Tony showing Danny the hotel or the events that will take place within the hotel? Or is Danny showing or is Tony showing Danny the evil that represents the hotel and potential bloodshed going on there? Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, what really happens to Danny in the bathroom? The yeah. door, the door, uh, the yeah. The doctor kind of just tells the mom that she doesn't really have an idea. Did he have a seizure? Did he have an experience? We don't right. know. We, he just we don't know. We brush it off. Right, a bit. just brush it off. Uh, what kind of episodes is she referring to? Does he have a panic attack? You know, a self-induced trance. The family is from Vermont in the film. Why Vermont? Well, Stephen King is from Maine. The Mount Washington is from New Hampshire. Why would they pick, you know, another state? I don't know. It's just a little odd thing. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of odd. You would think that he would have, because most of his movies, he does pick Maine. That's right. So you would have thought he would have picked Maine for the parents to, well, the family to be from. Maybe this was just Kubrick's way of being like, fuck you and stabbing him. Could be. Yeah. Could be. I'm doing something different. That's right. Five months of, uh, five months is not a long amount of time to be sober and be in isolation wouldn't you agree yeah yeah i mean if you're sober five months is nothing right um at that elevation during october there wouldn't be any more green the higher elevations yeah because that yeah because i mean you've been up mount washington right right? there's no the guy explains it as you're going up the higher you go all vegetation stops yeah so that was one thing i noticed yep um where where do the twins go, and how does no one else see these twins in, in the hotel until now? Yeah. That's good. Why wouldn't Allman disclose the Indian information sooner? He only tells them once they're basically moved in. That's kind of a dick move. Yeah, Come on. like, oh, hey. Indian barrel are ground. You, are you guys all settled in? You yeah. are? Okay. So just to let you know. Indian barrel ground. Indian barrel ground. Yeah. Uh, how strong is Dick Howard with the shrine? With the shrine. It seems like he has maintain it a little bit. He has more of a grasp on it, so he could be pretty powerful on it. But it's almost like he ha- he knows how to control it well more, more than Danny. Yeah. Uh, what kind of parents just let their kid go off with a stranger? Dick Halloran and Danny just go off. I, That's I know. Weird. It's Thinking weird. about it now, it's like, oh yeah, go get ice cream with him. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. How does Danny pull room two thirty seven out of thin air? Is he reading Dick Halloran's mind, I'm, or is he connecting to the hotel so already? What I was kind of getting with was that he was in Dick's mind, and he kind of, like, that was one number that kept popping up. He's picking it apart yeah. a little bit. 
can Jack shine? He has. He did say he had deja vu. Is it possible Jack was shining and felt the place when he entered? So me and you were discussing this. Yeah. I, I think he does. I think he has some sort of shine. And I think that's where Danny gets it. Yeah. And like you said, the drinking seemed to stop it. Stop it. That's and why he drank all the time. And now that he is sober, is sober it's starting to build up again. Amplify. Yeah. Uh, how long has Jack been writing on this day? We see a smoke lit up, a couple of pencils, and a blank typewriter. Right. That's, <laughs> we just don't know. Time well, passes. It's time, very weird. It's very weird in the movie. Does the... Does the Overlook Hotel have the ability to change the maids? Dick mentions that some places shine like people. Would the Overlook uh, Overlook uh, shine in order to trap people in the maze? I would say so. Why not? Yeah. Because it's such a creepy thing. Thing. Yeah. It'd be it'd be so awesome if they had like. It would explain it in Doctor Sleep too. Yeah. Because it does shine. Right. Yeah. But it would be cool if, like, Jack was staring over the maze and then all of a sudden he's watching it move. That would be and cool. And then you have to sit there and go, okay, is Jack moving it or is the hotel moving That's it? That's right. Like, I would love for them to make you ask a lot of questions. questions. Yeah. How does the snow count get outside when we clearly see it inside in the last frame and then it's snowed a little and then it's outside? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just picking it apart right. a little bit. I don't know. Now, when the, uh, when the twins talk to him... Is it the ghost of the twins or would it be the Overlook's representation of the girls and the Overlook itself that, you know? Right, because if it's – right, because there's two – There's two ways. You're exactly you're... right. There's two ways of looking at it because is if it's the Overlook, the Overlook's going to use the girls to talk to Danny a certain way to do things. That's right. And if it's – you think if it's the ghost of the girls, they would say things to try to keep him from That's right. so going places. Know. Right. Is Jack looking off into space when Danny walks into the room, or is he glancing as into his reflection? We can see him kind of doing both in that one small scene with Danny yeah. and Jack. Where did Danny get this Apollo 11 sweater from? I don't know. Like out of thin air? Maybe he had it. Yeah. Wendy has to know one of them is lying, but how can you tell which one is lying? Why would Danny lie about room 237, and why would Jack try to hide what was in room 237? Right, so now as a mother, you're, like, conflicted because you... Don't know who you, to trust. It's like you want to you wanna believe your husband, yeah. but you do have this relationship with your son, and he's never lied to you before. That's and right. So it's like, what do you do? Uh, why doesn't Dick call for the police if he thinks something is truly wrong? Send the police up. Right. I mean, if you think something's really wrong, you're really going to travel. Who did, who did he call the Forest Service? For, Forest Service? Yeah. Now, the only thing I can think of is maybe the Forest Service actually had the means to get up there. Like, maybe they have a cat, too. Yeah. Where if you call the regular police, they wouldn't have the ability to get up there. That's right. That's the only thing I could think of. Is it If it's on cable, is it worth a watch? No. No? Not, not on cable. The only reason is because they take too much out. If you really want to enjoy this movie in its fullest, you have to watch it. I I agree. On like as a DVD, VHS, whatever you have. Uh, If it's on cable, it's they take cut. It's cut so much that I think it takes it takes away from the movie. It's a different movie, right? So if you want to watch this in its glory, then you have to watch it fully. What's your favorite part? I want to I want to say the filming of this just the a lot of you know 
panning in close-ups, the lot of is he is he actually staring into the camera is uh you know everything is so close up so like when actions happen like when she's pinned up in the bathroom and that axe is coming through it almost looks like the camera is like right in front of where that blade is coming in you know what i mean and so you you see the fear in her eyes because you're so close to it. It's almost like you're right next to her, seeing her fear, feeling it. Same thing with Jack. When Jack's going nuts and you're so close to him, you can almost feel like how crazy he's getting. I would say the camera work and the movement, like you said, so they actually had to invent this. They invented the Steadicam on this movie. Did they really? Yeah. So any of the Steadicam shots, you it, the Steadicam is basically something that's mounted to you, yeah. and you hold the camera back and forth. But they invented what we know as the modern Steadicam on this film today. Oh, so all the cool. all the shots of Danny on the bike going from carpet to wood, carpet to wood, were all done all in a single take. Cam. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, something you didn't like. Something I didn't like. Ooh, it's hard with Shining. It's hard with the Shining. It was a little long. It could have been... There's some scenes you could cut out to move it a little faster along, but that's just... Like some of the, the exteriors, we see a couple too many. Like I get you can see one without snow and one with snow and one with more snow. Cut out just one or two. It would those. be nice to actually have more background on the place too. Yeah. I mean, that would have been cool. Like maybe at the beginning explain a little more. Or show snippets. So, right. Or maybe like as he's walking through the hotel he's coming across more things like oh it would have been awesome if like the pre he found the previous guy's journal or something or even have the radio playing in the car about where he's going to like a little informative thing you yeah. welcome to the overlook you right. are now approaching the overlook you know yeah, something. something yeah but other than that i mean it's a it's it's, it's a classic a, it's a classic movie would you pay for you to watch it once uh, if you're in a theater if i was in a theater yeah i'd yeah i'd yeah, if it was like one of those like, all right, let's go see a movie type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd forty dollars. Yep. What would be your ideal way of watching it? Oh, God, I four K surround sound. Let's crank this son of a bitch up. Let's do it. Driving. Ooh, there you go. Driving. Yep. I this would Ooh, be an awesome. It gives you dr- the isolated feeling in the car. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. would be an awesome. Dr- and now the only reason why I'm saying this is because one of my other favorite movies, Twister yeah, shows them at a drive-in watching it. And when I always see that scene, I'm always like, that is a cool way of watching that. Yeah. Because you're, you are, you're stuck in your car. That's right. Nowhere to go. That's right. That would be so cool to see. But just imagine this in 4k though. Oh, this in 4k would be 5.1 surround sound. You just cranking that. Like it's, it's good. Yeah, it'd yeah. be good. I hope you know a lot of the older movies. I hope they actually do transition into 4K because a lot of them would be beautiful. They would be really nice. So greatest oh shit moments early on in the movie. We see quick cuts of uh, Tony showing Danny what the hotel is really about. That's a scary moment. Dick explains how people shine, uh, places shine like things. See, and I like, I like how they do the explanation of the shine. They don't just say it's oh. a little bit of exposition though. They well, it's not like they just go, "Yep, you have a shine," and they kind of like toss it off. Toss it off. At least they're kind of trying slowly. to ex- slowly explain it. Yeah. Uh, when Danny mentions room two thirty seven to two dick for the first time, you're like, "What the hell is going on?" 
Danny driving the three wheel like we're talking about. Uh, the maze from their perspective and the maze from Jack's perspective. They're yep. both kind of neat. Yep. Uh, Jack goes off the rails about interpreting while typing. It's just showing him going crazy. Danny and Tony talk about the overlook and Danny is scared. Jack drinking Jack in the ballroom. Yes. We talked about that. You yeah. didn't you didn't notice I that. didn't I didn't notice it was Jack Daniels. Yeah. Because he said bourbon. That's right. Now to me, Jack Daniels is a whiskey. Now whiskey and bourbons are similar, but they're different. But I just didn't comprehend that he's actually drinking a bottle of yeah. Jack Daniels. Yeah. Wendy and Jack on the stairway. She just knocks the shit out of him. Oh, yeah. That's just so good. So good. And and to me, okay, again, I know this, her hitting him is fake, right? But. It's so built up. It's so built up from early but, on. The tension is just, you can cut it with a you, knife. You are being tormented on behind the scenes all this time. And now she's holding a bat. To yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Do you think she really wanted maybe to knock him one? Knock oh him yeah, one? I could, I could see that. I wonder yeah. how much she had to hold, hold back. back. It was probably a stunt guy. She probably hit the stunt guy pretty good. <laughs> yeah, probably. Could you yeah. just imagine though? Yeah. Like she's. I mean, if you guys do have a chance, definitely see like the making and the yeah behind the scenes of this movie because it's insane to see. I, I actually gotta send you something. It's making of. It's pretty neat. Uh, who had the best performance? Jack Amy? Nicholson. Yeah, there's no doubt. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, second yeah. best, uh, Danny uh, Lloyd and Shelley, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you 100%. They both had equally good performances. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, even as a family, at the beginning, you can tell they are this loving family. Yeah, they may have problems and stuff. But all families have a little bit of differences, right. though. That's the thing. But you can see there's happiness, but then as he goes nuts... You can just see the family fall apart. Splinter. And each one had – they did that. They had great performance. And I do like the fact that the kid that played Danny chose to do the little finger thing and, and stuff like that. Oh, I, yeah. I thought that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. For a little kid to think of that. It's and a nice – it made it creepy. It, made it, it did. Now we're at the ending. The ending has been building up since the movie has started, and slowly everything has been paid off in one way or another. Wendy locks Jack in the dry food storage. You can clearly see Jack is trying to bargain his way out like an addict. He is clearly using any way he can to get out at this point, and Wendy isn't having it. Jack tells her that she has a big surprise coming. Jack had torn apart the snowcat, and there is no way of them leaving. Grady knocks on the door, dry storage door and talks to Jack about his family. Grady tells Jack that Jack isn't up for the job. And in this single moment, the door unlocks and the overlook sets Jack free. We also have Dick Halloran driving the snowcat out to the overlook. Danny continues to speak red rum as Wendy is sleeping. Well, I mean, come on. Danny seems to be like a broken record in this moment because all he's saying is red rum, red rum, <laughs> red rum. He's using her lipstick to write red rum clear on the door. Wendy can see the reflection in the mirror and it says murder. Jack is also coming towards him with an axe. Wendy opens a small window in the bathroom and she isn't able to get out, but Danny is. Wendy has to face Jack. Jack tries to takes the axe to the bathroom door bit by bit 
and Wendy is able to get a slice onto his hand. We see Dick Halloran approach the hotel in the snowcat. Jack and Wendy both seem shocked as they hear the snowcat approach. Danny hides in the kitchen cabinet. Dick Halloran makes inside the hotel. The tension in these last few scenes are high. Jack suddenly kills Dick Halloran by cutting him right in the chest with the axe. It's so... That whole that whole scene. It's just, all cut together very oh, well. It's so good and uh, you just don't know what's happening no. next and you're just like on, on the, the edge, edge of your, your seat. seat. That's because right. the whole movie's leading up to this. That's right. Danny is now on the run from Jack. Wendy sees someone in a bear costume in bed with another person and for a moment she doesn't know what the hell's going on <laughs> in the hotel. We as an audience know that the hotel has been the driving force behind, both behind Danny and Jack going mad in their own way, but now the overlook is making Wendy seem mad. Jack turns on all the exterior lights as he begins to chase Danny down in the frozen hedge maze. Wendy is still in the dark until she sees Dick Halloran's dead body. Now the hotel isn't holding back with her. Jack is... Uh, Still in the maze as he tries to get Dan- as Danny tries to outsmart him. Danny escapes the maze as he reaches Wendy, and they get to the snowcat. The cold sets in, and in the final moments, the cold nature of the hotel sets in, and both Jack and the hotel become frozen. The gold ballroom begins to play loud music, and in the final image, we see. Jack is the life of the party in 1922 within the Overlook Hotel. Dun dun dun. Now, yeah, it's uh, it's like a meme where he's like frozen in the yeah yeah, yeah. frozen in the maze. Yep. It's my favorite thing. I think I sent it to my wife the other day. Freezing. It's cold outside. Yeah, reboots, remakes. I remember the ABC Shining reboot when I was a kid, and I was like, what the. F- no, this? so this it's is not a, good. I still have it, but it's not good. Another movie they need to leave alone. Just leave The Shining alone. They turned it into a miniseries because King wanted to redo it. I understand King wants wanted to redo it and stuff. I get it because he wanted it to be more his way, his way closer to the book type of deal. I think this one is very well done. So it holds I, up. It holds up. I don't think you should touch it. Did you know that all the snow is actually salt? Is it really? It's all salt. That's a lot of salt. Mm -hmm. They're running through salt. And with the lights on, it was like 120 degrees. Oh. So you're running in salt with layers on. Because you have to pretend it's cold. That's right. Oh. Layers, layers, hot salt. Uh, Sequel. Dr. Sleep. Amazing. Good. Amazing. Uh, Hopefully we'll do it on the pod one day. Yes, because it's good. So good. I love Doctor Sleep. There's actually a YouTube comparison where they actually compare The Shining and Doctor Sleep, and you can see frame by frame what they took about. I'll have to definitely look at that. But yeah, I mean, so sequel, yes, yes, because they did it right. That's right. Watch bypass. Yes, watch. Yes, Uh, buy. No, don't pass. Yeah, don't pass. Don't pass. If you. The thing is, this movie's been around a long time. Long time. So there's so many. Uh, it's it's in our culture. Yeah. I mean, there was a movie that came out not too long ago, Ready Player One, that did this movie justice. It's because uh, Spielberg was actually good friends with Kubrick, and uh, he actually. 
Kubrick's last movie was supposed to be Artificial Intelligence, but he died before he could make it. So Spielberg actually directed Artificial Intelligence. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yep. But in that movie, in Ready Player One, like even my, my kids are asking questions. So after we watched that, I don't think they any of them made it through. Maybe my daughter did. But they actually watched The Shining with me because they were interested in it because it was so creepy and just because things that and are I was old like, or new and again. I'm sitting there like it's it's an older movie yeah but it's you know when when you see that in our culture where maybe a movie will reference it maybe a Simpsons yeah like a spoof or something yeah. Yeah. you know the the axe through the door and here's Johnny thing it's been done how many times has that the been the Brian Cranston commercial right so yeah. it's like if you haven't seen it, you should just see it be- so that way you can understand all the or to understand Doctor Sleep more or uh, right because honestly to, to understand Doctor Sleep you want to understand what happened before and kind of recontextualize everything. Yeah, I agree. sorry, I'm losing my voice. We've done a lot of talking. Yeah, we've done a lot of talking. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for listening. Please follow us on Facebook at Captivated Minds. Uh, on Instagram at Minds Captivated. Email us at CaptivatedMinds2 at gmail.com. We also have a P.O. box. Everything is labeled in the show notes. And if you also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please like and subscribe. Please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a five-star review or any review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to know how we're doing. Yeah, and if there's any movies you want us to watch, review, or anything, please send them to us. Uh, please stay put uh, because in October we're going to have a movie almost every day of this month. Yes, so... Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you.